What are the mindset necessities for long-term entrepreneurship? Hi, welcome to Business Mindset Mastery, my friends. I think this is going to be an instantaneous best of episode if I have anything to say about it. So you're going to need to grab a notebook and pen and start jotting some important things down. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs over at heathergrayconsulting.com. And if you've been listening to the show in recent weeks, you know that I've been working really hard to elevate the conversation about mindset in the entrepreneurial space. I feel like in recent years, as I've um, joined the online space and then participated in the conversations for the past two or three years now, I see a regular and consistent dumbing down of really important topics to oversimplify and make it sound easy. And the reality is, is that mindset is not a simple thing. We have to understand ourselves. We have to know ourselves and we have to be willing to, as sort of my hero Brene Brown says, we need to be willing to be in the rumble with ourselves. We need to wrestle with who we are, what we want our lives and businesses to look like in order for us to maintain success in the long term. And I think sometimes when people think about mindset, they get so locked into, I can't get out of my own way today. I'm having a hard time making a decision right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to manage this launch. I'm not sure what I'm looking for in my next hire. I don't know how to fire my most recent hire because clearly it's not going to work out. And we get so stuck in whatever we're overwhelmed with in the moment. And just a reminder about that overwhelm thing, because you've heard me talk about this on the show, um, you know, Matthew Kimberly's quote, he's a sales and copywriting, I think copywriting expert, um, based in the UK. And he teaches people that we don't get overwhelmed when we don't know what to do. We get overwhelmed when we don't know what to do next. And I think sometimes that's where the conversation around mindset starts and ends. How do I get out of whatever overwhelm I am in right now. And as I think about my role in changing and elevating the conversation around business mindset, one of the things that keeps coming to my mind is we're thinking in the short game. We're thinking about getting through the day, white knuckling, gritting our teeth, pushing through, hustling on, but that we're not really having a conversation in the space or with each other um, or in business communities about what is it take to maintain long-term consistent growth and success? What do we as business owners need to have wrapped and nailed and iron tight regarding our mindset in order to be successful for the long game? And as I started to think about it, I started to list it out. And again, this is one of those episodes that as I'm looking at it, I'm like, gee, Heather, you have a book here, or at the very least, an ebook. And maybe at some point, down the line, you will see an ebook emerge or you'll even see me self-publish something. I've certainly been flirting with the idea for long enough. But as I look at this, I just realized it's a conversation at the very least I need to start right now. And I think sometimes we get too caught up in getting all the bells and the whistles done and making it fancy and shining it up. And regardless of 
what it looks like and what it sounds like. Sometimes we just need to get it out there. We need to get people talking. This is one of those episodes and it's going to run long. I'm looking at a list of like 15 things. So you are going to have to settle in and I am going to have to do my best not to be my usual verbose self. So that's my promise to you to kind of keep it as iron tight as possible. But I'm going to ask that you engage in the conversation with me by writing this down, thinking about how you're going to challenge yourself in in a certain area, what your game plan for attack is going to be. And then I invite you at the end of the episode to share the episode on social media. I have a brand new spanking handle over on Instagram. You can find me at Heather Gray Consulting. You know, share it in a story, share it with whoever you're talking to, wherever you are in social media, because I think we need to start talking about business in the long term. And I don't think we're doing that effectively yet. Hopefully we start today. So the first thing that I want you guys to think about as you come to understand your mindset for the long term, when you think that, you know, being, you know, as they like to say, in it to win it, right? We don't want to just win the day. We want to win it, you know, until we decide we don't want it anymore. The first thing to get that mindset nailed is you have to be really clear on, um, you know, the life and the business you want to have and what you want your life and business to look like. Because I think sometimes we get entirely too reactive or we get too short-sighted and we think too small. But what I really think that people need to start focusing on is how they engage in a decision-making process for themselves and their businesses. And the only way you can do that is if you on some level know the roadmap that you're heading to, the destination. And you may not know all the steps and you may not know all the starts, but you have an idea of where you want to go. And so before anything, I am going to ask that you spend some time examining that for yourselves. Who are you? How do you move through the world? And what do you want your life and business to look like? Because as you make decisions for your business, you are going to want to make sure that those decisions you're making get you closer to the life you want and the business you want. We have to be clear on who we are, what our likes are, what our preferences are, what our dislikes are, what our values are, in order to know as we're building our dreams and we're building our businesses, are we heading in the direction of where we want to go? And the way I often frame this, and you've heard me talk about it on the show, but am, you know, if I was already the man or woman I wanted to be in the life I wanted to have and the business I wanted to run, what decision would I be making right now? Because so often I think we get stuck and and we get short-sighted thinking about like, well, who are we today? And what do we want right now? Rather than if I was already the woman or man I wanted to be, what would he or she do? And what would he or she say? And get us closer to that by aspiring to be that, but also making the choices that get us closer to that life or that business. 
connected to this is you have to understand that your goal is not your final destination. I think sometimes one of the biggest mistakes I see and the reason why people find me at various sort of points in their businesses and various crossroads in their businesses is that we think sometimes that that goal and that decision is our final destination. And as a result, we we sit in inaction too long because we're trying to get the perfect website with the perfect tagline with the perfect lead magnet and we need to generate audience and then we need to nurture that audience and we spend so much time in la la land kind of like you know developing and imagining and growing because we're so committed to we have to land somewhere and that place has to be finite when i joined the online space i was calling myself a corporate therapist like and you don't hear that description anywhere in my business right now. So it's not our final answer. It's the answer for right now. So what we need to pay attention to and be able to, if we're going to be entrepreneurs in the long game, and we're just not trying to white knuckle ourselves through a moment, we have to recognize that business is going to change us. That the answer to who are we, what do we want our lives and businesses to look like might shift and change. Sometimes those shifts and changes are going to be slight and barely noticeable to anybody but ourselves, and other times they're going to be fairly significant, and we're going to have to pay attention to that. So I think sometimes we have to remove the pressure of having that destination be so clear and so finite. We have to allow it to be permeable. We always have to be working towards something, but when we get so rigid and we get so black and white about it, I think we lose out on something. And then when we're so attached to a specific ending or a specific outcome, I think we're at risk for missing opportunities and we're we're at risk for not paying attention to crossroads and for getting distracted because sometimes when we're so unilaterally focused and head down and so strictly in our own lane, we don't see what's around us, we miss out on opportunities. So it's a fine line, but I'm hoping that those of you listening to this elevated conversation don't need it in so black and white, that you can think critically for yourselves about when that destination needs to be clear and finite and when you need to allow yourself some permeability, some flexibility and some creativity in how you think about it and how you look at it. Because that black and white thinking is in any part of our lives or businesses really does nothing but set us up to fail. Now, here's where it gets really big and really important and really intense. And if I had to pick only one thing for successful mindset work in business, it would probably come down to this. People find me because they haven't done this part. And sometimes people leave working with me because they're not willing to do this part. But we all as business owners have to unpack understand, and then repack our baggage. You have to know who you're bringing to the table. So, so often people are stuck in these miserable lives or unhappy with certain aspects of themselves and they try to run away from their businesses and they say, well, this part of my life or this part of who I am, it's not particularly comfortable for me. I don't like it. I'm just going to run away from it. I'm going to create this business. I'm going to have time freedom. I'm going to have financial freedom and life freedom and it's all going to be okay. And then at the end of the day, it just catches 
up with you and bites you on the butt. Like beginning, middle and end. Like that it's as direct as I can be. So often people are running away from themselves to their businesses, but they don't even know what you know what they what's specifically chasing them. They don't know what they're hiding from. They don't know what they're afraid to look at. So what I really and this is the core work of my work with clients, guys. Like this isn't stuff that you can always do yourself. So if you haven't done this work for yourself, you're going to need to consider who you're going to, you know, reach out to and connect with on this. There's so many ways of doing it from working to me with me to connecting to a mastermind. We talked last week about hiring a therapist, but something to start the conversation about who is coming to the table as the boss of your business. Where have you been? What are the stories you're carrying? Where are the wounds, the things that are actively nagging and picking and burning and stinging? And where are the scars? Where are the lessons? Where are the weaknesses? And where are the strengths? Because so often when you are running from something that you don't like or that's uncomfortable or that you don't particularly want to talk about, you numb yourself out, right? And in when in doing that, you don't just numb out the darkness, you numb out the light, you numb out the possibility, you numb out the opportunity. And you allow this thing, whatever you are running from, to control you. Because if you don't own it, it owns you. I see it happen over and over again. And one of the reasons why I lose my mind about these 20 something life coaches starting to talk to people about life is that like you have no idea what's going to come to the surface when you do this work. I can't tell you the number of times I've done mindset work with people and suddenly we're talking about their trauma history because we are bringing ourselves to the table. We're not checking ourselves at the door. And if we are messy and if we have baggage, if we want to last in this business, whatever business we've define for ourselves, we have to unpack that baggage, understand the stories attached to it, how it's sort of impacted who we are and what we think and how we move through the world. And then we have to put it back together because we can't appear to our consumers and our leads and our clients as frazzled, disorganized, or emotionally unavailable or distracted to them. But if we don't do our own work, if we don't look at our demons in the eyes, if we don't face the things that are hard and have the hard conversations with ourselves about things or, you know, with the help and support of other people, those stories and those things that we're running from are going to own us. Because at the end of the day, my friends, wherever you go, there you are. You can't just check the parts of yourself that you don't like at the door and then go on and run your business. That if you want to be in this for the long game, you have to know what your emotional baggage is and you have to have it packed. And it's so funny. That's the same advice I've given people when they're starting new relationships. That like you can't like go into a new relationship when you're still bleeding and moaning from the heartbreak of your last relationship. We all bring baggage to new relationships but we have to know what that baggage is and we have to make gosh darn sure that that baggage is packed up. So you want to like recognize that if you don't face it, it is going to chase you, it is going to haunt you, and it's going to follow you. You want to own it so it doesn't own you. Connected to this is once you can really know who you are, once you can really own your story, understand how it's impacted you, how it affects you, how it, you know, influences your values and influences your decision, then you are developing your gut 
and your instinct. And there is no bigger mistake that entrepreneurs make that I see than ignoring their own gut and their no, their own instinct because they see someone doing it differently and they want the results that that person's having. They ignore who they are. They ignore their own values and they try to just replicate someone else's process. Or when some guru says, you need to pay X amount of money and I'm the answer to all your pl- you know prayers and you are going to have the biggest transformation, you may not buy into it. You may not believe in it, but you might be tempted to lean in to take the easy way out to fast track this process. But if you can come to know yourself and know who you are and how you move through the world, you develop your own instincts over what's best for you, what's right for you, and what's going to take you to your own personal end zone, where it's where you are going to go, where you're leading yourself to a place of more fulfillment and more happiness. But if you don't know your gut, and you don't know what you really think and you don't know what your beliefs are, you are so easily led astray. You're easily distracted. Squirrel syndrome, which you know always makes me gag a little bit in my mouth <laughs> when I hear that expression or when I use that expression myself. But like you are so vulnerable to outside influence if you don't hone in on making decisions based on your gut and your own instinct and what's right for you. And that means recognizing your own expertise and your own life and your own business, not to say that you don't have things to learn, not to say that there aren't things to be improved upon, but that you know what's best and you are willing to make those hard decisions for yourself. And, you know, connected to this, knowing what's best, you can't make your business your life. Um, I I'm one of the things as I think about how I've developed this online business of mine and created this new presence and how I show up and how I move through the world is I am really proud of myself for not doing that this time. If you pay attention to my employment history, you will see that I did 10 years in residential, then I did 10 years in private practice. So I have a 10-year itch, (laughs) apparently, right? And it's this idea that I, you know, I go balls to the wall with something, I'm super intense, and then I kind of peter out and I lose interest. Um, And I burn out and I'm suddenly reinventing myself. So part of that process is, you know, I... I both times in my residential life when I was working in agency life and then when I was starting my private practice like I just was so excited and I wanted it so bad and it seemed so great and there was this exciting thing and this exciting thing that I neglected the rest of my life. Um and I you've heard me share when I talk about personal episodes one of the earliest mistakes I made in my young adult life and my teen years and early adulthood is I defined myself by my trauma. I defined myself by the loss of my mom at a really young age. I defined myself and my life by my childhood experiences. And then um, when I finally sort of escaped the veil of that victimhood, of sort of rolling in the fact that I was a motherless daughter and identified so intensely to being a motherless daughter, I kind of just took that pendulum in my personal life and I swung it all the way over to my professional life. And I started to identify as just this really awesome professional. I had so much professional confidence. I had so much sort of 
value in my skill set, appreciation in my talent, recognizing that some of it was instinctive and I was lucky enough to be born with it. Some of it was hard fought and hard won. But I like was, you know, in agency life, when I started, I was working 50 hours a week was a slow week. And when I started my private practice and I was getting that off the ground, I was, you know, doing it seven days a week. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about the long game in that. Um, I, I just, I defined my myself by my professional achievements. So I went from I'm a motherless daughter to I'm a really good social worker. And I didn't sort of allow the pendulum to find balance, that I'm a positive person. I believe in choosing happiness. I, you know, I have all of these little creature comforts. I have hobbies. I have interests. I have a tribe of amazing, awesome, fantastic women that lift me up and make my life so much better. I, I just, I didn't create that well-rounded story of myself. I just defined myself professionally. And when we get so upset, not upset, that was the wrong word. When we get so obsessed with our businesses that that's all we see, that's all we talk about, we're forgetting that we're not like, we're not just in it for today. We're not just in it for the week. We are in it for the long game. This is a marathon, not a race. And so we can't run our lives and run our businesses in these sprints. So we can't then by definition, define ourselves by that. We have to be willing to think of the long game, to pace ourselves, to slow ourselves down, and to think about it beyond our overwhelm or indecisiveness that we're experiencing today connected to this is you want to make sure in your life that you have people who get it. Um, when I and and to say that doesn't have to be people who are doing it too. And sometimes I think the best people who get it are the people who are also not doing it. <laughs> like they have their own lives, their own like pain in the ass stories and their own things that they're dealing with. I think it helps us keep us humble in a little, you know, bit. But you don't want to be isolated in your experience. And in an internet world where there's 1 billion people using the internet every day, it is really easy to find your own people who share your values and share the the things you care about, even if they're not in your relationship, even if they're not in your family or in your friend zone, you can find them online. But you want to stay connected to people who get it because you need somebody who's going to say, hey, this is just a bad day, not a bad business. This is just a decision that didn't work out. It doesn't mean the product sucks. And so often that some of the things that happen to us that are unique to business, people don't always understand or because we're having an intense emotional reaction because we're, you know, sort of attached to that emotional entrepreneur roller coaster that we can be on, um, people immediately you want to go to problem solving when in fact it's not a problem that needs to be solved. It's just something that is when it comes to business. You want to have an outside lens on that. You want to have somebody else who knows the story, who knows you, and who can balance you out on the days when you get a little shaky and when you lose it a little bit. You also want to make sure connected to this is that you're you're focusing on your relationships and you know connected to this and this is going to be a strange way to to word this so stick with me and bear with me you want to decide what your relationship with failure is 
um, because failure is going to take a seat at the table. You don't have to give it the head of the seat. You could put it at the kids' table. You could put it in the backyard for occasional dining. But if you are running a business and making decisions, not every decision you make is going to work out. Not every idea you have is going to come to fruition. You, something is not going to work out. And so often, I think in this entrepreneurial space, other people tell us how to deal with failure. They'll they'll tell us that failure is just a lesson. Failure is the, you know, the scar that comes with entrepreneurship. It's the price of admission. I've heard it called so many different things and so many different analogies. I think one of the reasons why people struggle so much with the fear of failure, why it continues to be like the underlying theme in so many of my podcast episodes is people haven't decided what their relationship and what their um, perspective on failure is for themselves in their own lives and in their own businesses. So for me, I have never particularly gotten really hyper reactive around failure or things not working out. I have gotten buzzy is the word I use. Like I, it does make me a little anxious. Um, I quickly, you know, when something doesn't work out, my instinct, I think sometimes is to just move to the next thing, to try something else rather than to be really curious about why something I wanted to work didn't work. What could I have done differently to set it up for success? Where did it go wrong? Like sometimes I fail to be curious about failure in my my own business, but I've always accepted that it's a part of business. I was really lucky and fortunate that my dad sort of modeled this and not that... (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, my dad failed. But like, he so much um, modeled for me that like the first time at bat isn't always going to work. You're sometimes going to make a bad investment. Sometimes you're going to make a bad choice. You know, growing up, he owned um, a Subway sandwich shop. And then at some point in time, the um, he's no longer, I don't know, I don't think he's no um, alive any longer. But Fred DeLuca was the um, founder of Subway. But Fred DeLuca had also started a second franchise um, offering fried chicken. And my dad went in on that business and it just was not successful. It bombed out really quickly. And then in sort of response to that, if I'm, you know, remembering the timetable accurately, um, my dad sort of went all in on Subway and and opened up four different branches of the store at the time, only to find out that he didn't like being a multiple store owner. And he went back to his um, flagship store and closed all the other satellite stores that he had created and built. So growing up and working for him, I was very used to decisions being made and them not working and like nothing bad happening. It was like, oh, well, I tried that. It didn't work. And the emphasis always being on trying things. So for me, I will, I'll pay attention to something that doesn't work. I'll sit and spin about it. But my relationship with failure is that it doesn't ever take center stage because what was modeled for me is that it's not center stage. It's just kind of a reality of business in the same way that like, you know, when we, um, when we get older, you know, there's different health things that happen that we have to manage or that, you know, we have to get our oil checked in our car from time to time or different things like that. Like, it's just part of life. You know, when we, when we deal with those part of life things in our personal lives, I think that for me, failure and things not working out, 
or a part of business. So it doesn't really fluster me, but that's not everybody's story and that's not everybody's experience, nor is it everybody's value. But you do, I think, if you're going to make it in the long game, you have to have a relationship with failure and decide it. What is your point of view on it? How do you manage it? How do you respond to it? How do you wrestle with it? How do you rumble with it? Because otherwise it's too at risk to be one more thing, like I said earlier, that owns you. Because you're story of failure is the same as any of the other stories you're bringing to the table. If you don't own it, it's going to own you. And I would much rather see you sort of define for yourself what your relationship with failure is, the role it has in your business. For me, it always, it sort of sparks and inspires curiosity. Like, why didn't this work? What could I have done? And for me, you know, one of my weaknesses in businesses is one of, let me start that one over, one of my weaknesses in business is that I am prone sometimes to cut corners, to take the easy way out, to not cross every T and dot every I. So for me, like if something doesn't work and it fails and I've tried something, I have to challenge myself to say like, did I really show up? Did I go all in? Did I do all the steps? Or if there was a 10-step process, did I just kind of sort of on a hope and a wish and a prayer get away with six things and then call it a day? Um, So we want to be able to look at that. So for me personally, my choice is I move through failure with curiosity. When I'm bummed out and something doesn't work, um, I'll acknowledge it. I'm going to do an episode. um, Probably I think it'll come out next week or so. I'm still organizing the um, sort of point of view and the bullet points on it. But, you know, what it's been like for me recently um, since the start of 2019 to really be in the arena um, on a level that I haven't been for my business in a while. So I've been in the uh, arena and when you're in the arena getting your ass kicked, (laughs) um, you're going to learn some things and you're going to have some insights. And so what I want you to pay attention to for yourselves is how are you going to do that dance with failure? How are you going to move through it? And how are you going to organize your thinking about it so that it doesn't control the trajectory of of your business, nor does it limit the trajectory of your business. I think that's worth paying attention to. The other thing that I will say that like I I see and I only gained this insight in the past year or so. So I'm still you know, myself formulating this thinking around it of what it really means in business ownership. And hopefully someday, maybe I'll even do a podcast episode and go in greater depth of it. But you as a business owner, if you're looking to make this a long-term thing, you have to know the value of one of your hours. Because I think that that particularly for online business owners, we're so trained and wired to do it ourselves. We're so sort of programmed for the DIY mentality that like we're charging X amount of of dollars an hour or for a package. um, And we're saying to the universe or to our prospective leads, like, you know, working with me, you know, costs X amount of money. But then we don't look at the value of what we're doing in between our work without people. And suddenly we're doing the Canva images and we're, (laughs) we're doing the email correspondence and we're cleaning out our inbox and we're doing all of these things that have far less monetary value than an hour doing client work. But I think that sometimes when we're thinking critically about our businesses, we burn ourselves out because we haven't paid attention and valid 
validated what the value of one of our hours is. So you want to pay attention to that for yourself. You want to know what your worth is and where you should be delegating, where you should sort of be having somebody else's eyes on something because it doesn't need to be yours because you want to stick to what you do best and you want to delegate the rest. You know, that's one of the first lessons I learned in entrepreneurship. It came from Chris Ducker, um, another UK expert over there. So, um, but it's worth paying attention and it's worth keeping in mind as you make decisions and you move, you know, you move forward in your business. Part of this thing too is, you know, this is a tricky one for me to say out loud because what I have written in front of me right now is the idea of never stop growing. But I've also been quoted on this podcast of saying my least favorite question to be asked is what am I reading right now? But I do think that if we believe that our own personal development and our own mindset is like a final destination and it's where we land and we don't spend time being curious, learning more, poking at our weak spots, realizing that as a result of growing to a new level and rising above to a new level, we have new fragile zones that need our attention, or we have new elevated thinking like I've been having in the conversations with you. I think it's really important that we not stop growing, that we remain curious about ourselves. You've heard me talk about this before in the when I talked to you about updating your story of yourself, but who are you now that you're running a business? If we can remain curious with ourselves, who are we now that this has happened? Um, how has this experience of business ownership thus far changed us, impacted us, or shifted our values? I think we're far more set up for success for the long game. I think that otherwise we're really at risk of burning out and fizzling out because we're not updating our stories of ourselves. We're not staying in tune with who we are, how we've shifted, how we've grown as people. Because if we don't do that, the missing component in that conversation is we don't know what we need. Um, our needs are shifted and changed so dramatically. When I joined the online space, I was so burnt out and miserable that you've heard me talk about the fact that I literally hated people, didn't want to be around people. I wanted to write books and create workbooks and sell things passively because I just was so burnt out and tired of client work. And now I'm in a stage of my business where I've healed from burnout. I'm welcoming conversations about mental health into the mindset space. I'm realizing how long overdue they are, how important this conversation is. And I'm realizing that I can't have this conversation in a vacuum. I can't be exploring this new elevated level of thinking about mindset in business by myself. I need to toss those ideas about with other people. I need to sort of test my bravery a little bit. I have to lean into the vulnerability. I have to wrestle and rumble with it. And it's so isolating to do something like that by myself. So I have to lean on my tribe. I have to sort of explore new ideas, have conversations, hear myself say something out loud and go, that sounds a little batshit. Take it down a notch. It's like back up that tribe. Slow things down, sister. Look at it a different way. So my need as a business owner from, you know, day one to heading into year three, I really wish I knew what the anniversary date of my online business was. I would be able to tell you if it was year two or year three for me. But this idea of 
We are going to shift and change and move and grow. Um, and we need to, we need to make sure that we're in it for the long game and that like we're paying attention to our needs. And I, I think sometimes people forget this. And one of the things that comes to mind, um, I'm such a foodie and I always think about food, but, um, I always go to like, you know, people ask me my favorite candy and it's always <laughs> the one answer remains the same as Reese's peanut butter cups. But quickly after, I will tell people like, Oh my gosh, have you ever heard of Razzle's gum? R-A-Z-Z-L-E-S. Growing up as a kid, it was like this candy coated gum in my sister and I would get it at a um, swimming pool that we went to in the summers when we were visiting my grandmother. I quickly would say, oh my gosh, I'm always choosing Reese's peanut butter cups, but a close second is either something sour, like a sour patch kid or sour gummies, or I love those razzles gum. Like it was a couple of months ago, actually, now that I'm looking at it, it was probably the end of last year. I was in this grocery store. I saw Razzle's gum. I was so excited. I bought like several packages Um, because the the thing at the time was I'm going to buy two packages for myself. I was so excited. I'm going to send them to my sister Um, on the East Coast. I tore open the package and like was all ready with the selfie. I took the Razzle's gum in my mouth and I was like, ugh. I don't even like this anymore. And maybe, you know, it's quite possible they changed their recipe and, you know, sort of modernized it in a way that I didn't like it. But like for years, I had been sort of talking about Razzle's gum, not recognizing like not so much. I'm not a Razzle's person anymore. That story and that example, I think is how we have so often moved through business. If we are not updating ourselves and our lives, like I don't think this is just a business conversation sometimes. I think it can also be like who we are personally. Personally, we need to, you know, keep growing and keep being curious and keep sort of poking poking the bear a little bit to see what pops up and not being afraid of learning new things and finding new things. We can't risk becoming stagnant. Connected to stagnancy is our health. And as I'm talking to you, realizing I only have a couple of more bullet points in this episode and you guys are wrapping this thing up with me soon, um, I'm realizing that I probably did you a disservice because our health should probably be a little bit higher up on the list. But I can't tell you how many times when I'm talking to business owners and they're telling me that they're in this overwhelm and they can't they can't figure out their way with the team and they're so tired and they're burning the candle at both ends. And I sort of said, like, when was the last time you got eight hours? hours of sleep and they laugh at me. And so I say, so you are probably in a sleep deprived state, right? Like chronic parenthood is what I call it. And for business owners who are also parents, like you are doubling the the whammy on that one. But like you are trying to make decisions when the gas tank is running on empty or you haven't been to the doctor or you haven't updated your eyeglass prescription, which I'm like looking at myself right now as I say that out loud and recognize that my eyes have been bothering me for a bit and I've just been blowing it off, but I probably need a new prescription. But are you taking care of your health? Are you preserving your business's greatest asset? Because so often we're not. We only go to the doctor when something's wrong. And then when we go to the doctor when something's wrong, it's been wrong for a while and we're getting it to the point where it's interrupting our functioning before we do anything about it. 
So I'm really going to encourage you to look critically at your health practices if you're in it for the long game. Not just the doctors, which by the way are important, particularly as we start to get older and all of that, but how you move through your world. How are you how often are you moving your body? How are you fueling your body? And when I say that, I'm not saying just, you know, fill yourself with a shit ton of healthy shit. I'm also saying can you allow some pleasure into the story? Can you make room for things that you enjoy and things that you like and things that light you up and make you happy? Because whole life living is a part of health and not in that woo way. <laughs> like I think sometimes people say holistic and they go immediately woo and they turn me off. But like, are you building a full, healthy life filled with good relationships, good activities, good health, good care, good self-awareness, all of that. Because if you're going to last in this business, in your business, in your professional career, you have got to be fueled for the long game, my friend. And you can't do that if you're not taking care of your health. Part of this, I'm laughing at myself as I see this on my list in front of me, is you have to learn when to say yes and when to say no. And I'm reminded about how much you guys hated that week of boundaries that I did. So I'm like, you know, I'm sort of hesitant to say if you go a couple of months back in episodes, you're going to see that I did a week on boundary setting. But you really do. If you're going to be a business owner that pays attention to the long game, you need to start to trust your instincts and develop your instincts around the things that you absolutely need to say yes to for your own personal growth, your own business growth, your the sort of expansion of your ROI and bottom line, but you also connected to that need to know and trust your gut when it's time to say no, when it can't be you, when it's not in your business's best interest, when it doesn't get you closer to the life and the business you want. Being able to make that decision with confidence takes time and takes practice. But if you are going to be in this thing for the long game, you have to recognize that not everybody gets a seat at your table. And you have to be okay with that. And you have to recognize that sometimes you're going to want to move tables and you're going to say yes to someone else's invitation and leave a whole bunch of people behind. But that is the reality of getting bigger of growing, of expanding who we are personally as people and as humans, but also as business owners for the health and the wealth of our business. So I'd really like you to think about that and pay attention to it. Connected to this is the idea, and you've heard me preach about this before. I don't think I'm coming up with anything new. Hopefully, I'm just organizing it in a new way for you all to think about it. But you want to think about how you ask for help and how you accept help. And this DIY mentality, doing it ourselves, is going to end and ruin businesses because we are not islands. We need to network. We need to raise our hand and say, hi, I'm here. I don't know. And we need to be willing when somebody says, hey, would you like to say yes? I just listened to Gwyneth Paltrow on her Goop podcast and she was talking to Brene Brown 
And she was saying that when she first became a CEO and she was first in this business space, people were using acronyms that she wasn't familiar with. And so she was kind of like, you know, surreptitiously under the table, kind of Googling these um, acronyms to learn what people were talking about. And then she realized that she just wanted to learn quickly. And in order to learn quickly, she needed to ask the hard questions. So, you know, we have to be willing to ask for help and we need to be willing to accept help. And thinking critically about that is going to keep us in this for the long game. And lastly, I I want you to think about mental health days and regular vacations. One of the things that I'm really grateful for in my online business is I already had a well-established practice for myself of taking mental health days. I only work on Fridays in the mornings and then the rest of my Friday is often filled with something just for me. So every Friday I take time for myself and that is largely non-negotiable and it is largely by myself. And that's because I'm in the people serving business. I'm talking to you guys. I mean, admittedly, I batch these episodes. So I'm not actually doing this every day, but I'm talking to my clients every day. I have my coaching on demand service. So I'm always interacting with my clients through you know, my coaching on demand practice, I have a service-based business. So the only way I can really be on is if I schedule and take some regular time offer myself. And as a therapist, that had been my habit to only work half days on Fridays. So I just moved that work schedule to my new business and I made it non-negotiable. Additionally, when I was working in corporate, since I had worked there for 10 years, I'd accumulated a lot of vacation time. And my rule in my corporate life was that I always took a two-week vacation. It was always sort of my theory that, you know, like for most week-long vacations, by we don't usually get used to the fact that we're on vacation until Wednesday of any given vacation week. And then we only have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to actually be on vacation. So as much as possible, I encouraged people to take two-week vacations at my last job. I regularly, as a therapist, took vacations of, you know, at least two weeks as a therapist. And that's what I do now in the online business space. It became part of my regular schedule. It was my automatic and I did it regularly. I also don't want you to think that mental health days and vacation days are something you plan for once your business is making money, once you're successful. Because part of the business development phase, part of being new is you are establishing your systems and your habits. And if you don't sort of build regular habits for yourself um, that include time off, you are creating a habit that you never take time off. And I see my husband do this really regularly. When he was a resident, he was given a lot of vacation time and he never used it. And I don't really know why. I think he always just assumed something better might come along that he would want the time off for. So he was always like fraying himself at the edges and then suddenly being like, oh my God, I need a vacation. And now that he's an attending for his hospital, 
I can see him doing the same darn thing because he wants to sort of collect his time off. He wants, he sees colleagues who like have been there forever and they take like full months off of work and he wants to be able to do that. So I'm watching him not take time off and not incorporate regular days into a schedule. And that includes like being hesitant to leave work early just to go to the doctors. And I'm, you know, it sucks to be married to a mindset coach, my friends, because I'm constantly saying like, hey, you need to be able to last at this job. And half your body already doesn't work. Those of you who don't know, he has a spinal cord injury and uses a wheelchair. So he has to kind of carefully keep himself, but we shouldn't be, you know, sort of putting vacations in the, like, if your body's half broken category, you deserve a vacation and need to take a vacation. It's the way we need to look at it for ourselves. We want to create sustainable habits in our business. And if we build a regular habit of not taking care of ourselves, of not taking care of our health, not paying attention to ourselves, not growing as people, and not doing the things that I've been talking to you about today, we are going to grow a business with a crack in the foundation beginning, middle, and end. This is why businesses fail. It's because um, people haven't built themselves up enough to last the hard times and the obstacles because they don't do these things. Luckily for me, it's why I have a business, right? Like if everybody just followed this advice from this podcast, I'd quickly be out of business. So lucky for me, you know, it's usually a hard sell here. But I hope I've given you something to think about, to think about how you move through the world in your life and business. And are you really making decisions in the way you think and in the way you move through the world that are preparing you for the marathon, for the long game? Or are you perhaps moving through the world as if this is a sprint and you only have to go a little bit of the way and telling yourself a story because then it'll be smooth sailing? This is really a conversation for self-examination and thinking about how you think of yourself as a business owner and as a boss. And are you in it just for today, this week, and this month? Are you in it for years to come? I'm really grateful that you joined me today for the conversation. I appreciate you sitting with me. I know I sort of filled your earballs for an hour or so here, but I hope I brought and delivered value to the table. If you are getting value from the conversations we're having, again, I'm going to remind you of the ask I made at the beginning of the episode. Please do me a favor and help me get a word out about the show. Let people know about it. Share it on social media. Share it with your email list, your own personal networks. People who need to have this conversation with themselves aren't going to know to have it unless you share it. I really could use your help here. So one of the things you heard me say earlier to um, sort of preserve the health of businesses is we have to ask for help. This, my friends, is me asking for help. If you've gotten value from the show, please do take a moment to leave a review, to let people know about it. There's so many different ways you can support me and what I'm trying to do for you each and every day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for today. And I surely look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.